Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the Met, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, enjoy the message. Last week, hello everybody. Good to see all of you. It's great. Great to have people in the room. Isn't that good? Uh, we, we did this without you here, and it's so much better with you here. It really is. Thank you for all of you who are watching online by the thousands. It's been amazing um, what this pandemic has allowed our church to do in terms of outreach, which brought about the title of the series, Unstoppable, because what we're seeing is a reality that when God's in something, it is simply unstoppable. There's not a virus. There's no power in this world that is greater than the power of of God. And what's amazing about it is just as his power can be exhibited in the world, he has that same power available to you and available to me. And so it's incredible. And last week we talked about the unstoppable power of God in his church. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. We said a Bible-drilled, spirit-filled, Jesus-thrilled church is unstoppable. And I still believe that. And this weekend we're going to go the next step. I want to talk about the unstoppable presence of God in our circumstances. The unstoppable presence of God in our circumstances. God is involved. He's there. He's present. The Bible says he is an ever-present help in trouble. I'm glad to know that, aren't you? I find myself in trouble a lot, don't you? And so it's good to know he doesn't check out when the trouble comes. He's involved in trouble. He's with us in the midst of it. In fact, I believe he didn't come into the world to get us out of trouble as much as he came into the world to get into trouble with us. <laughs> He's an ever-present help in trouble. You're going to be in trouble a lot in your life. You need to be happy about that. It is the presence of God that we give him praise and thanks for today, and it is simply unstoppable. Now, when I talk about circumstance, we all go through different circumstances of life. We all go through different seasons and stations in life. All a circumstance is, when you break the word apart, it's circumference stance. Circumstance is circumference, a circle, stance. It's a circle you're standing in. It is simply that circle that you find yourself in today. It's the bubble that life happens for you today, and we're all in different circumstances. Now, what's great about it is when we find someone else in a similar circumstance, because there can be a meaningful connection made to somebody who gets your circumstance. Now, let me share you some common circumstances that we all have. The circumstance of sin. We all get that down, right? We all do that. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, the Bible says, no, not one. So I'm suggesting to you that we got that in common, man. There is a circle you and I live in, walk in every day, and it involves sin. Uh, in fact, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So look, you're going to continue, as I do, to sin. We're going to make mistakes. We are the bestest, and the best we'll ever be are sinners saved by grace, I'm not excusing it. I'm just trying to understand it. And I'm just suggesting to you that is a circumstance we find ourselves in from time to time. And then there's another circumstance. It's a circumstance called suffering. 
Everyone goes through periods of time in their life when they'll have suffering, when hard times will hit relationally, financially, in your business, in your home, in your personal life. It's, no one is exempt from that. It doesn't matter how close to God you are or are not. You will not exempt yourself from suffering. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust in Matthew 5. Jesus said, it is not possible to live your life free of offense. We're going to have offenses. We're going to have problems. We're going to make mistakes. People are going to make mistakes. And as a result, we're going to go through some periods in life where we, we suffer. So there is sin. There's suffering. Here's another thing we all have in common, and that's sorrow. Everyone will go through loss in life. There's going to be grief. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And so these are some common life experiences that you and I all, uh, that we all experience. And through those experiences, we can find common ground and we can find meaningful connection. And the thing I want you to know, regardless of the circumstance you're in this morning, the thing I want you to know is God is present. Jesus is with you. He is not going to leave you. He will not forsake you. He is in uh, your life. He desires to be a part of your home. He desires to be big in your business. And so I'm suggesting from the moment you receive him as your savior, from the moment that you invite him in your life, there's never a moment until you step into his presence when you're alone. And that is a wonderfully comforting thing. So in the midst of your circumstance, remember, Jesus is with you. So be careful, listen, be careful drawing your theology from your circumstance. Be careful interpreting your theology from your circumstance because there's some circumstances that don't make sense and there's some circumstances we go through in life where you can't connect the dots. And if you draw your, your theology from your present circumstances, you're gonna miss the point because oftentimes God works in the mysteries of life. He works through the things that we don't understand or comprehend in life. And it's not just the victory sometimes that he reveals himself to us. Sometimes it's those setbacks and sometimes it's those defeats. Uh, I believe the fruit of the spirit is the only fruit that can ripen in the dark. God can allow his children to go through dark experiences in life. And if you draw your theology from your circumstances, you might say, because my circumstance is bad, God must be upset with me. God must have abandoned me. He must have forsaken me. Now, if you draw your theology from your circumstance, it might lead you there. But listen, let me tell you, be careful doing that. Here's a way I found to be thankful in the midst of a hard circumstance and to be able to give God praise in the midst of a difficult time in your life, and that is this. Don't thank God because the circumstance is good or fail to thank him because the circumstance is bad. Here's what it is. Thank him because he's good. Listen, God is the only constant in your life. Everything else goes like this, just up and down and all around. <laughs> Everything good and bad and two steps forward, three steps back. That's life, right? And God is the only, Jesus Christ, the Bible says the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the constant. So if I want an attitude of gratitude in the midst of a bad circumstance, I don't necessarily thank God because of the circumstance is good because I don't want to draw my theology from that. Listen, I thank him because he's good. And he's good regardless of where I am. He's good regardless of what I'm going through. He's good regardless of my circumstance. So thank him because he's good. And then be careful drawing your joy from your circumstance. Be careful doing that. Now, there's a difference between joy and happiness. You can have joy in the midst of a heartache. 
You can have joy in the midst of a, a terrible circumstance. Joy is that inner peace that you have that allows you to sleep at night. It's the confidence that you have knowing that God is on the throne. He has a reason. He has a purpose. He's present. And somehow or another, some way or another, some day or another, God is going to work this thing out. It's joy. Now, happiness is tied to, as the word indicates, to happenstance. It's an old English word we don't use. We use my word this morning, circumstance. We don't talk about happenstance. It used to be said that if your hap was good, that you're happy. And if your hap was bad, you're unhappy. In fact, in the, the book of Ruth, in the old King James translation, it says concerning Ruth that it was her hap to land on a field that belonged to Boaz. You'll read that in the King James. It simply meant it was a good circumstance that brought her there. It was a providence of God that brought her there. So the point is, if our hap is good, we're happy. If the hap's bad, we're unhappy. So happiness is different from joy. You can have joy when your hap is bad. You can have a bad hap and a joyful heart. <laughs> so I'm just suggesting be careful drawing joy or drawing theology from your circumstance thinking because he's good, and here's where you draw your joy. Draw your joy from the fact that you're in a relationship with God, you're in fellowship with God, you serve a God who loves you more than life itself. And so I'm telling you this morning, it's possible, it's possible to navigate through a difficult circumstance and have a joyful heart because you realize God is with us in the circumstance. Let me give you our text. It's a really good one. I hope uh, it'll encourage you this morning. It's in Hebrews chapter 13, two verses, verses five and six. Uh, the Bible says, let your conduct, let the way you behave be without covetousness. Now, when you're coveting, you are wanting something that doesn't belong to you, wanting someone that doesn't belong to you. You're reaching outside of yourself to get something that you don't have. So he says, let your conduct, let your behavior uh, not be driven by the things that you don't have and the things that don't even belong to you, but instead be content, be content with such things as you have. And here's how it happens. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the unstoppable presence of God. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Well, in this narrative, I want to talk about four byproducts of recognizing and appropriating the presence of God in your life. When you walk and live every day cognizant of the fact that the presence of God is in me, that he is with me, I believe it'll bring about four powerful realities in your life. Number one, it'll bring about contentment. Contentment. Remember, he said, don't covet. Don't look outside of yourself to try to reach and to try to find the things that you need. Realize contentment means I have everything I need. Now, let me apply that to the circumstances that you go through in life. What he's simply saying is, if you go through a circumstance in your life that is difficult, God, by his presence, will equip you, enable you, and empower you to get through what you're going through. You don't need something else. You don't need someone else. You don't need to be codependent upon something or someone because if you belong to God, you can be content and rest in the fact he will give me what I need to get through this circumstance. It's resting in the relationship that you have with God. It's understanding you can be content in the fact that the Bible says he will not put more on you than you're able to bear. 
I mean, every bridge you cross in the countryside, every bridge you drive over, that bridge was designed, there was an engineer somewhere that knew what the stress load on that bridge should be. They knew the maximum stress load that bridge could handle. And they'll put a sign on there. If you'll notice, it'll say load limit. This bridge can handle that much stress. Well, if engineers put that much care into into a bridge on a roadway, how much more does your heavenly father put that kind of care into your life and mine? We go through a bad circumstance sometimes. We say, I don't think I have what I I need to get through this, man. I don't think I'm strong enough to get through. I don't think, I, man, I just need some help. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going through a hard time. And And you finally cry out and God's looking at your specs. And he's going, now you're okay. You got this. I've designed you better than that. You're going to be okay. You have everything you need right now to get through what you're going through. You're strong enough to do it. And here's what I believe. I believe if that's not the case, God will remove the situation from you. But if it is the case, he'll give you what you need to go through the situation, right? So the first thing you get when you acknowledge the fact, the Lord is with me. He will not forsake me is contentment. Meaning that right now, ladies and gentlemen, whatever you're going through, you have everything you need right now within you in the presence of your Savior, in the presence of the Holy Spirit that is living in your heart. You have everything you need to get you through what you're going through. So take a breath, breathe in, breathe out, and find contentment. Find contentment. Now understand, when I talk about contentment, I don't mean be complacent. There's two different things. Sometimes people mix up the two. Complacent is just fatalism. It's just accepting that, well, whatever will be, will be. I can't change anything about it. I'm just going to pull my oars into the boat and let the boat just go wherever the boat wants to go. Well, that's crazy. That's complacency. That's not what the Bible's talking about. Contentment is being satisfied in your relationship with your Lord and being assured that this thing is going to work out ultimately for your good and his glory. But it also means that I have a responsibility to continue to do the things God's called me to do and live my life every day to the fullest, not to surrender to complacency. So he said, look, when you rest in the relationship you have with him, number one, it brings contentment. Do you have it? Number two, there's companionship, companionship. He said again in this promise, I will never leave you or forsake you. Personalize that for a minute. He said, I'll never leave you speaking individually to each one of us, to everyone watching online. He's saying to your heart and to mine, I will never leave you. Now, I've shared this principle with you before, but it bears repeating. Let me share this again for those of you that may not have heard it. When you read this, you understand there are two separate things he's talking about in that promise. When he says, I will never leave nor forsake, there are two things he's driving at. When he says, I will never leave you, he means I will never remove my presence from you. Uh, I, I will never abandon you. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a huge thing in our world today, abandonment. There are so many people dealing with those issues. Uh, there are grown-ups that are dealing with abandonment issues from a childhood. There's people that are trying to navigate through abandonment issues, and it affects their relationships. I've talked to people through the years, and they say, I just have trouble, you know, being close to someone, being friends with someone, being in a relationship with someone because of the heartaches and the abandonment that I faced in my, in my past. It affects sometimes intimacy. You know what all intimacy is? You know what it is? It's intimacy. That's all it is. 
It's your ability to see into someone. It's into me see, intimacy. It's this idea that you're close to someone, that they know you, and you allow them close enough to you that they can get to know you. But what happens when you've been hurt, you've been abandoned, you've been, uh, someone has forsaken you, someone has left you, you put walls up. It's human nature. It's like I've been burned. I'm not going to go down that road anymore. My heart's been broken and shattered. I'll not give my heart to anyone anymore. I'll hide my heart away in this concrete vault. I'll cover it up and protect it from ever being broken again. But the problem is when you do your heart that way and you place your heart in that, in that place thinking it'll never be broken again, it isn't long until your heart starts taking on the characteristics of its surroundings. And in a cold, dark, hardened place, It'll affect your heart. And I'm just saying, I get it. I understand. Everybody in this room have gone through heartbreak and heartbreak and and, and disappointment. Everybody on some level has some abandonment issues, and they've had people walk out of their life. I get it. But Jesus gets it more than I get it. He's saying to your heart, I will not be that person to you. I don't care what you do. I don't care where you go. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. (laughs) I mean, you can't get away from God. Once you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, you belong to him. There's no place you can go to get away from him. He's with you because he's in you, and he'll follow you all the days of your life. I've seen people who just got hurt and they just walked away and they found that something compelled them to come back. Something drew them back. What is the something? It's not a something. It's a someone. It's the Holy Spirit of God drawing you back into fellowship with his people and in fellowship with himself. So he said, look, I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) I mean, you work through it and and I'm going to try to get you healthy emotionally and I'm going to try to help you navigate through that heartache. But I want you to know you've trusted someone who will come into your life when everyone else walks out. Proverbs 17 said he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He knows you better than you. He loves you better than you. I'm suggesting to your heart this morning that when you rest in his presence, you realize the promise is there. I'll never leave you. I'll never remove my presence from you. And you know what the second part of that is? I'll never forsake you. He said, I'll never emotionally disconnect from you. I get you. You ever talk to somebody that just didn't get you? (laughs) You're, You're on AM and they're on FM. I mean, you're, you're really trying to connect, and there is no connection there. Their eyes kind of glass over. <laughs> they kind of look off into the distance like they see something that no one else can see, and you realize I'm sharing my heart with the wrong cat. This ain't working. Listen, he said, look, I connect with you physically. I connect with you emotionally. I get you. <laughs> I'll never remove my presence from you. I'll never disconnect from you emotionally. I'll never leave, nor will I forsake you. And to get you to think about that a little more, listen, you can be physically connected to someone you're emotionally disconnected to. And you can be emotionally disconnected from someone that you are physically connected to. And what he's saying is, in our human experience, I won't leave you, I won't forsake you, I'm with you. And man, that is a hard truth to get people to understand. Because people that have been abandoned, they go through these issues of feeling like they're not lovable. They're feeling like nobody will love them, uh, that, that they're, they're not worthy of someone's love. And I like to draw them and bring them to that beautiful verse in Ephesians 1.5 where Paul was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And here's what he said, it's beautiful. He says, he, Jesus, 
has made us accepted in the beloved. In other words, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he rose again on Easter, because the price he paid on the cross, and because we have received him into our heart, that act has made us accepted by God. And the point I try to make to people who are struggling with this and receiving uh, this peace that comes and this joy that comes with the presence of God because of some abandonment or some heart hurt issues or some soul wounds that they're struggling with is wrapping their heads around this Ephesians 1.5 and understanding, listen, you are accepted. The God of the universe accepts you. You don't know where I've been. It doesn't matter. You don't know what I've done. Doesn't matter. The Bible says, I am accepted. The God of heaven accepts you. The God of heaven loves you. The God of heaven went to the cross to die for you. If you were the only human being on the planet to redeem, he would have gone to the cross just for you. Don't let the enemy whisper in your ear, you're not valuable, or you're not worthy, or you're not worth it. We're worthy and we're valuable and we're worth it because God has set his affection on us. And Paul was writing there saying, I've wrapped my head around this. I've come to terms with the fact God has accepted me. And once you get your head around that, let me give you get something else to get your head around. Accept that acceptance. Have you ever accepted the fact God has accepted you? Have you ever accepted that acceptance? I mean, you and I can sit in here and we can agree or you can watch online and agree or disagree. But the point is, until you really accept it and apply it and and what is theoretical becomes practical, it'll never change your life. The Bible says you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. Listen, it doesn't matter how true the truth is. If you don't know the truth, it will not set you free. So I'm suggesting to your heart, God says, I have accepted you, but have you ever accepted his acceptance. Have you ever got that place with God? Thank you for accepting me and my brokenness. Thank you for accepting me and my, my failures. Thank you for accepting me and my heartaches and my cynicism and my bitterness. Thank you for accepting me just as I am. Beautiful old hymn, Billy Graham ended every crusade with that hymn, just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. And God reaches his arms out to a lost world and says, I died for you, and if you'll receive me, I've accepted you. So once you realize I'm accepted, you have to accept that acceptance. You know what happens then? You have to accept yourself. Listen, once God's forgiven, you forgive yourself. Some of you guys are dragging around some bondage from your past and some burdens from yesterday that you need to let go of that stuff. You're reminding God through your prayer of things that he's forgiven you of and forgotten about. You kind of bring them up. (laughs) You know why? Because the enemy is called the accuser. He's the accuser. What does he do? Accuses us of things we've done. But the problem is God is the forgiver. (laughs) He says, I put it as far as the east is from the west. Listen, never to be brought up against you again. The devil pulls the file and you go, busted. And God says, forgiven. You see the difference? So what do you have to do? You have to accept your acceptance and you have to accept yourself. You have to realize I'm not defined by my past. I'm here because God has purpose. 
and I'm going to walk in his presence realizing he has accepted me and I've accepted his acceptance of me. So guess what? I'm going to accept me too. That means to be comfortable in your own skin. You know why that's important? Because Jesus said the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And he said the second is like unto it, love your neighbor, how? As yourself. Now, he's not talking about some narcissistic, weird kind of self-love there. (laughs) Narcissist, remember, was the Greek mythological figure that fell in love with his reflection in the pond. You know, enough about me, now you talk about me, that guy. He could date a mirror, that guy. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about having a healthy self-image, meaning you're comfortable in your own skin. I mean, it's one thing to have people you look up to, people who mentor you, people you admire, but don't try to be like them because you cheapen the original design. God made you to be you. And when you try to be somebody else and you don't do you, you are robbing this earth of the uniqueness of who God created you to be. It's unhealthy. (laughs) And I'm just suggesting to you guys, get comfortable in your own skin. Say, I've accepted. I've accepted the acceptance, so I'm now accepting myself. And then here's what it'll do. It'll free you up to the fourth thing, and that is it'll free you up to accept other people. You can accept other people. They don't threaten you. You're not envious of them. You don't covet after them. You are healthy in how you handle other relationships. Listen, somebody that's unhealthy in other relationships, they can't accept other people, are people who have never really accepted themselves because they haven't accepted the acceptance that God has accepted them. So it's not rocket science. And all this is wrapped up in this idea that, man, when you know Jesus, you've got companionship. He's accepted you. He loves you. Third thought, it involves confidence. Do you see that next part in the verse? He says, so we may, look now, boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Man, when you're standing in that little circumference and you're trying to deal with what you're dealing with and you're facing some difficulty, he wants you to have confidence. He wants you to face what you're facing with confidence. And listen, sometimes you have to say to yourself, the Lord is my helper. That's what he said to say. (laughs) You know what faith is? It's a beautiful illustration of what faith is right in these two verses. Verse five, it says, for he himself hath said, stop, drop to verse six, so that we may boldly say, put those together. He has said, so we may say. What is faith? Faith is saying what he said. When I step out and say, the Lord is my helper, I'm not just wishing that to be true. I'm saying it based on the fact of God's word so that we may boldly say, God's my helper. I'm going to get through this. Man, if he's for us, who can be against us? No weapon formed against us can prosper. I mean, we're on the victory side. I read the last book of the Bible. We win. So I'm just saying to your heart, you don't have to live defeated, and you don't have to live in fear. Man, fear is one of the biggest killers of faith. Then with a pandemic and all this want-want going on out of the media, everybody's walking around in fear. Children of God, people who know God and have the presence of God in their life shouldn't live in fear. We shouldn't be a fearful people. We should be a confident people. Why? Because the Lord is our helper. He is with us. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. What is faith? Substance. What is substance? Break it apart, like circumstance. Substance, sub, is something that goes beneath you. Stance is something you stand on. 
A submarine goes beneath the ocean. Sub is beneath, stand to stand. What is faith? Faith is substance. It's something that goes beneath me upon which I stand in my circumference. <laughs> I'm standing on faith in the midst of my problem. And I'm saying to myself, the Lord is my helper. Well, that's confidence. I don't care what you're facing, man. Tell your, look at yourself in the face and tell yourself, the Lord is my confidence. The Lord is my helper. It's great confidence. It's great confidence. Man, don't let fear grip you. I, I, I shared this with you a, a while back. Adrian Rogers years ago talked about walking through the back of one of their buildings they were building in Memphis at Bellevue Church. Huge building. He was going in there. It was dark. He was trying to cut through the building to get to his car. And so he said he walked through the building. It was just dark the, the door, in, in this building. Dark, the door closed behind him. And he said, I, reach, I reached for the light. I can't find the light switch. So he said, now I'm trying to get my eyes to adjust to the darkness. I'm feeling along the walls. I can't find a light switch. And while all that's happening, standing in front of me is a man. And he said, all of a sudden, man, fear just grips me. My, my heart starts pumping. I can feel it pumping up in my throat. He said, I'm seeing this man. So he said, the first thing I do, I reach for the door, and there's no hardware on that side of the door. It had latched. And so he's going, man, there's no way out. I got to walk right by that guy to get to my car. So he said, I kind of I braced myself. And I said, sir, uh, I'm the pastor here in the church. And if you want to follow with me, we'll make our way out of here. And we'll go back uh, out of the building together. And the guy said, nothing. So he said, now nah, I'm really freaking out a little bit. And so we thought, well, the only way to get to my car is to walk by this guy. I don't have a choice. He said, well, sir, I'm going to slip on out to the car. And he said, I took three steps and walked into a mirror. And he used that to illustrate the fact that that a lot of times is fear. We conjure up these things, the what ifs in our mouth. What if this happened? What if this doesn't happen? What if it, and all of a sudden, it, it kind of takes on a life of its own. I mean, what did Jesus say when he was telling us not to worry in the Sermon on the Mount? What was it, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, right in there, when he says, take no thought of tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. And then he said, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You've got enough problems to deal with without borrowing on tomorrow's trouble. That's worry. That's fear. What's the point? The point is when you're in the presence of God, you can have confidence. Here's the last thought. Not only confidence, it can bring comfort. He said, look now, I will not fear what anyone should do to me. I won't live in fear. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to not live in my life that way. I'm going to experience the presence of God who is the God of all comfort. You know, no matter where you are or what you're going through, what your circumstance is, God knows that. He didn't just look down at, out of heaven and suddenly discover you, didn't see you just watching here this morning, said, oh, look at that one. wonder what they're going through. He's intricately and intimately involved in everything about our life. I believe that so strongly that I don't think it's an accident that you tune into a service like this and experience the worship. I don't think it's an accident that you listen to a message like this because God will use this experience to remind you of his love for you and his unfailing, unstoppable presence in your life. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 23. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. And then what did he say? I'll not want. I, I won't want for other things because I have contentment. I, I won't want for companionship because he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I, I, won't, I won't want uh, out of a sense of fear because he's my confidence. 
and I won't want when my heart is heavy and my heart is broken because he's my comfort. Blessed are those who mourn, he said, for they will be comforted. What an amazing thing the presence of God is. There was an old hymn they used to sing in my dad's church, and I thought about it as I was preparing the message. I wanted to share a verse with you. It says, I've seen the lightning flashing. I've heard the thunder roll. I felt sin's breakers crashing, trying to conquer my soul. But I heard the voice of Jesus telling me still to fight on. And he promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. And then the chorus, no, never alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. Precious friend, he'll never leave you either. Will you embrace him today? Will you accept his acceptance? Let's pray. Father, I pray first for my friends who may never have accepted your acceptance of them. They may never have come to a point in their life where they humbled their heart and received you. I pray this would be that moment, whether they're watching online or in this room, where they will humble their heart and pray a prayer simple like this and say something like this, Lord Jesus, with everything I know about me, I trust everything I know about you. Come into my heart and forgive my sin. I don't want to walk through this life alone. I need your presence. And for others here, Father, and others watching who may know you, but they've just gone through a hard season. They may be in a hard season. Lord, would you remind them right now, in this moment, they're not alone. You, you said in Hebrews that you are a high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You know where we are. You know who we are. You know what we're going through. You know our thoughts. So, Father, I pray in the presence of your Holy Spirit, you'll comfort your kids. Let them feel your presence in this moment. And may they walk out of this place confident. May they spend the rest of their day confident. You're with them. You'll never leave them or forsake them. Thank you for your unstoppable presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.